Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson, scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years, here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To 53342. New York, call the 24 7 Hope Line at 1 877 8 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y for 6 7 3 6 9. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Jazzy Ray, aka Jazzy Ray Allen Lord, and I'm this week's guest on the Kicks and Shit Show. Go on, check it out. What's good, everybody? It's your boy Gerard and your girl Gabby. We are back. Episode 46 of The Kicks and Shit Show. Yeah, yeah. Rocking it. Rocking it. I think you're just very proud of yourself. On that one. There's, <laughs> there's not no modesty. There's no more modesty anymore. Nah. But I don't know if you noticed that I like, snuck a little ditty in there. Uh, yeah. You said the episode at the same time. I think that listen. was a nice little harmonization it, it's, it's like we're remixing right it's like it's like it's, it's the, the remix <laughs> it was funny i was actually gonna, family show guys i was but no i was gonna go it's the mother like i was gonna that part oh. out right like <laughs> you're like nah. i'm gonna let you finish go ahead Drud. you're like nah, wait, no no it doesn't matter it's, it's over now gabby what's going on in those streets well, Gerard, mm. as you know, the mm. streets are very warm, so your girl's in bike shorts out in the streets again. Ankle weights, too, or not? I got to dust those off. <laughs> we're not quite there yet. Okay. You know, so yeah. we're still working on it. Some of these bodies are made uh, in like two weeks from now. Isn't that what they say? But I, I will say, I got to show my latest cop that Love I'm it. super excited about. Love it. Because it's Women's Month, y'all. It is. It is. That's right. Sneakerhead. It ain't about gender it's about passion love it love it you know the vibes my friend so you know the vibes just collab with ebay and play a society (laughs) straight up flames because esther from play a society i mean she's just a super dope she's a a hooper um has her female crossed off athlete campaign natural partnership makes sense and you know what if it champions women like you know i'm all for this shit listen i love it we are champions of women on this podcast and as you said, this is our last episode in March, Women's History Month. And, you know, we've had some really outstanding guests uh, this month. Um, really some trailblazing women in the industry who've done some amazing things. And not even this month, because we should be celebrating women every month, not just in March. We've had amazing women from the beginning of our show, from episode one, right? So, like, it, it has been, it has been, yes, include, that includes you. But, no, but it's... It's an honor to be nominated, Gerard. <laughs> it's been good, though, you know, and, and I really... You know, our guest today, I can't wait because we're going to really get into a conversation with her about the future of this industry. And, you know, I, one of my favorite signs is the future is female, right? That that like that uh, yep. poster tag, whatever. And, you know, look, in a society and, you know, sneakers are just an offshoot of a larger society. 
in a society that is highly functioning and performing to its best, it is inclusive. That that that's how it that's how it's gonna work. It ain't gonna work if only one type of person is making decisions, right? So the more we can get ladies involved in in this culture, and look, ladies have been involved since day one. It ain't it ain't like oh we're finding them. They've been here. So I'm I'm really excited that we at KNS are doing you know our small part to push that forward. I agree. And you know what, Gerard? I know we talk about this a lot, but I just want to talk about it again. I just love that you're a man of the ladies. And, you know, <laughs> you know. we appreciate you. <laughs> we salute you, Gerard, for president. Thank you. Good night. Um, Thank you. But on a serious note, we love you and appreciate you. And I don't know, there's something about this week's guest that just, like, gets me excited and nervous. You know me. I'm, I'm not somebody who's shy or right. nervous. Nope, nope. Shocking to nobody. <laughs> well, it's, be, it's, it's because the, know, this, the, like... this guest is serious. I mean, she's been involved in so many facets of the sneaker industry from the creative side to the business side to the education piece. I mean, doing it all content creation. I mean, she does work with Adidas. I mean, so much. And, you know, I think it's important that, again, the people that watch our pod and maybe some young people out there, you know, I really can't wait for you to, to, to listen to our guests. But also, you know, if you're passionate about something, find out about all the different ways in which that thing works and yep. figure out what is the thing that I'm good at, like independent of this business. And how can that skill that I'm good at, how can I do that in this business that, I, that I'm really passionate about? Right. Like, and, and how does that, how does that work? You can find and yourself with something great. Exists. I think you're so right. And, uh, you know, myself included, because we each have our own journey and story. It's an education of figuring out that, you know, your unique skill set could actually apply to something that you actually really enjoy. You know, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you don't have to crunch numbers if you don't want to just because that makes sense. But if you love sneakers and want to crunch numbers and you're good at that, like there's industries that you can work in in ways that. You would never know, and you were never taught as a kid. Mm-hmm. So I think the amount of resources out there now, and the amount of people like today's guests mm-hmm. who are education first. Yep. I, I think it's going to be a whole different time, but um, plentiful. Bef- before we wrap, Gerard, mm. and we bring on our fabulous guest, mm. what's going on in these streets? <laughs> you know, spring has sprung. Maybe I don't know. Kind of. Are we sprung? Not quite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Um, but you know, we're, we're two thirds of the way through the NBA season. So, you know, that's, that's exciting. It's by the way, your Knicks, I mean, listen, you're, 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 I told you playoffs, playoffs are, playoffs. I mean, listen, you, you're, you're a six seed right now. So be happy. I, I, th- I think this is all, it's all within your grasp. I, I see the smile. <laughs> um, I see the smile. Not like everything, y'all. It, it's all within your grasp. Um, I saw something interesting. Um, Nike had come out and talked about the the jubilee which we know came out over the holidays last year and it was they made 175 million dollars um on that release and if you do the math on me <laughs> no dollars for me and if, you do, I'm happy for if you do the math on that it's about eight hundred thousand pairs give or take you know somewhere somewhere in, in that realm i thought that was interesting right because we always wonder when releases happen how many shoes are getting released and they're never going to tell us that answer, but I, I just thought it was interesting. And I would imagine for them of the releases, that was that 800,000 number is one of the larger numbers they do in terms of amount that they put out into the marketplace. I agree with that. And the 11s that usually come out around holidays typically have a larger release. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they had to uh, plan enough for Joe West Coast distribution <laughs> channel. Sorry, guys. I kid. I kid. I know it's too soon. Um, no, not too soon. Perfect. Right on time. Never too soon. Never too okay. soon. Right on time. <laughs> Right but there, there usually is an influx of 11s. I mean, I lucked out. I, I say lucked out loosely on the bread 11s that came out um, two years ago. Uh, it was the easiest L I've ever, or the easiest W I've ever taken, excuse me. Um, every other L is very easy. Let's not get it <laughs> twisted. Um, but that's one thing that I do like about that model mm-hmm. that Jordan Brand does. It, it gives a, a few of us lucky ones. Yeah. Feel like we still have a yeah. chance. You, you, so you're saying there's a chance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, folks, we are excited. We can't wait. We're going to get our guest on right now. So stay tuned. What's good, everybody? We're back. And Gabby, we are not alone. We are joined by Jazare Allen Lord, who is, 
you know, every time I introduce people, it always starts feeling like sneakerhead or influencer, but it's like there aren't really enough superlatives and words in the English language to encompass everything you do. You are literally someone who is at the epicenter and the hub of footwear, education, obviously sneakers, female empowerment, I mean, business, you do literally everything. So I'm just gonna say, superstar, Jazzeray Hound Lord, how are you? And thanks for joining us. Very humbling for a regular, regular girl from San Diego. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I'm doing well tonight, super excited to be here. Um, with you guys and especially of course no shade but with gabby you know another woman um in sneakers and a, a, a real woman in you know in sneakers not a not a uh, a girl who plays dress up so. oh i like you. it that i means, like that it means the most thank you <laughs> and of course um what's also great about this jazz is that um you are our final guest for the month of march um which of course is women's history month and you know, so much has been talked about recently, but really there have been people pioneering and doing this work for many, many, many years. Where would you, and this is sort of like a, <laughs> a large question, but we'll dive in here. What would you say the current state is of women in the sneaker industry? Um, I think it's, I don't know what word I would use. It's very exciting, but I, I, I want to walk away from the word exciting a little bit because it's also super painful for a lot of people. Um, I will say it's a really intriguing time. I think that's a, a good word for it because there's a lot of action. There's a lot of desire um, and there's a lot of change that needs to happen that can't really happen overnight. So. We have seen some really big wins um, with inclusive sizing, for example. Um, like I'm super juiced to be able to buy collabs now where like the first seven to 10 years I collected sneakers, like that just wasn't available to us. We did not have access if you wore a size seven, men's seven or a below. Um, so being able just to participate, I think there's so many women that are able to participate uh, but we have so many struggles still, like even with having the product created for us, we still can't actually buy it. So there is like that piece of it, like actually having access to purchase. Um, and I think the other side of it is the showing more representations of different types of women. Um, I think we still lack when we think about diversity of thought amongst women um, and providing designs that speak to those women. So, you know, based on, on what you've said there, what I'm going to gauge from you, the, the vibe I'm getting from you is you are hopeful and optimistic, but you're not throwing a parade and not pardoning like, yeah, yeah, we've arrived. No, no, no. The work, the work continues. The work continues. I am definitely hopeful and optimistic. That's a new feeling, though, that started maybe a month ago. And I'm very curious to see how that conversation travels after March. Um, oftentimes in February and March, uh, black people and women and black women particularly, you see them everywhere and then we're invisible for the rest of the year. So it does feel hopeful and exciting, but um, you know, we've been here before as somebody that has worked in this area for a long time. Um, we've, we've peaked like this before and plateaued. Um, I think that with the energy of 2020, we really have an opportunity to push past the plateau and see some change. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We you just mentioned 2020 and obviously what a what a tumultuous year that was, but you know, for so many people and I, I like to look at things like this in the midst of chaos and disaster is always opportunity, right? Like that's the that is the time when things can actually change. And you mentioned, you know, in terms of you buying collabs and things of that nature, it's a feeling that you've been having, you know, look, it's not you're doing it now, but it's something you've wanted to do for years. So let's go back to the beginning. When did this all start for you? When did you fall in love with sneakers and this entire community? Oh, as a young, young girl, I grew up in skate culture in Southern California. So sneakers was more about function for me to be able to skate, to be able to ride my bike on the beach, like do all of these things that in the early 80s, because I'm 40 this year. So, you know, in the early 80s, I was very normal. 
um, for our, for for boys to be doing it, but not very uh, celebrated for young girls to be participating in traditional tomboy quote unquote uh, behavior. And so, you know, I always felt weird and like an outcast just because of the things I liked, the things I liked to do, um, the things I liked to watch on TV. Like it was all very foreign to women, young girls who were around me because on the other side of it, like I was a gymnast and a cheerleader and like there were traditionally feminine, I hate like our, our connotation of yeah. the word feminine, but you know, it's like the traditionally feminine things. Um, I just, the women there didn't vibe with the other side of me, you know? And so I was really like a punky Brewster who loved Chuck Taylors and like uh, superstars or shell toes as we called them. I came up in like the Puma Clyde era. Nice. You know, my B-boy mm -hmm. boyfriend in middle school wore Clyde's, you nice. know? And that's like, or you know, suede as they call it, whatever mm -hmm. you, however you call them, but um, you know, that like that was what I grew up in and like the four elements or five elements of hip hop, you know, days um, was my life. It became a thing, I would say, in high school. Um, and I put my first pair of Jordans on layaway with like my first job in the 11th grade. Um, and then it spiraled from there. I started I never collected Jordans. I started with Nike SB because I came in again through skate culture. But I also was like a really underground hip hop head. I don't even know if people use the term underground today or like... We do. We're, 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 we're old enough that we use underground. <laughs> oh, you know, like underground hip hop. Um, and it was a lot of the underground artists <laughs> had SD deals like MF Doom mm -hmm. and um, De La Soul. And, you know, like these were the moments I was loving. It was full circle for my lifestyle, like the music that I like, black artists able to create shoes. I love shoes. And so... SB really and their storytelling is what kind of tipped me over the edge to collecting everything. I, so it really resonates with me when you talk about the sizing issue and just that it, traditional definition of femininity. Uh, growing up, I always wanted to play ice hockey, and so my mom put me in an ice dancing dress. You can imagine how well that went, especially <laughs> from what you know of me. It, it lasted very, very little amount of time. But um, I think knowing how open culture is today, I mean, how did that really shape things kind of fighting against the norm um, at that time and really kind of finding your voice and finding your space through sneakers? It's funny because when I first started at Kicks on Fire, like he hired me because he understood way back then that if he had a woman on staff, he would be a differentiator amongst the other media publications. It's wild how true that remains today, like when you look at the climate. Um, and so like that, one of the only reasons I literally still write is because people are out looking for black women who tell sneaker stories and there aren't very many, if any, you know, in the, in the culture right now. Um, but, you know, back then he was trying to hire a woman. I was a writer. I was writing like pet adoption news and earthquake articles. I was writing for like AOL and the patch and really traditional news. Um, and I just graduated college. And at that time, I just, we were able to just try things. It wasn't the climate that it is now. Like there were no branded editorials and sponsored posts. Like none of that existed back then. It was just like, try shit and let's see what happens. If you want to do a video, now it's a show. You know, like it was just kind of um, throw it out the wall and see if it sticks. And so at a point, um, we, you know, the owner of Kicks on Fire had designed the site, so if you click the women's tab, the entire site, like, switched to just populate, like, the, the, the releases that came in traditional women's sizing and women's releases. Nobody went to that side of the site. Like, I think we were too ahead of the time at that time because I was trying to feature, like, I started Chicks on Fire also, which was, like, one of the first women in sneaker hashtags, so... We would feature women in sneakers and try to feature women who worked in the sneaker industry or were actual collectors. Um, and at that time, the women who were being heroed, uh, they were wearing like their boyfriend's shoes. They were like licking shoes. They were in bathtubs naked with shoes. And so I really wanted to showcase other women like me and find other women like me. And after like a hundred girls, I couldn't find anybody. Like there was a point we had to post Craigslist ads to find women in sneakers because wow. 
again, this is That's like Instagram before mm-hmm. Twitter, you know, we had forums. So I knew all of my girls on female sneaker fiend, but social, this was like an in-between time before 2010. Um, and then I would say around 2015, it just bust open. Like women all of a sudden were everywhere. Um, they were in campaigns. We saw two years ago, Jordan start making, you know, major shifts in their budget into women's programming, um, into women's products. So, you know, the desire I think is there now and the awareness. So that's super exciting. Uh, but women have been here, you know, to your point, like they've been around, um, we oftentimes are the only person in our friend group who is like this. I think there's this misconception of sneaker women today um, that like we always had crews of sneaker girls and that was not the case. Like we see that today with like a 10 girls and they're all fitted up like they all got the off-white cord, like all of them. Like <laughs> they all, all of them are dressed down mm-hmm. to the socks. That was not how our experience was. You know, we had to leave our city to go find somebody else like us. We had, we had to go on forums. We had to really seek each other out. And shoes were a signifier. So, like, if I saw somebody out and they had Jordans on, it's like, okay, I know you're a Jordan head. If I saw them out and they liked SBs, they probably liked Osiris and Etni and DC and other things, too. Or they also probably liked the Jordan 1. You saw somebody out in New Balance, they typically are like trainer kids. They like like Asics and Sauconies and like, you know, runners and airport and um, Air Maxes and like these types of shoes. Now today, sneakers are a signifier of wealth. And so we don't find community, right? When we see each other, it's not like, oh, Gabby's at the grocery store. I know what's good with her. She knows what's good with me. Today, it's like, how much money do you have, right? Are you wealthy or not? It's like, it's, that it's a weird dynamic to be living in yeah. now. Oh my God, you whew, you just gave us so much right there. I, I want to go back to something about the different types of women that are involved in sneaker culture now, because part of what you do is education, right? Like you you talk and you of course talk to younger younger people as well. What are what types of people, women specifically, are you seeing at the younger ages that are involved in sneakers? Are you seeing a cross section and a mix of people who are legit down for the culture and like, no, I know the history of shoes and I want to know the story. Or are you seeing like, you know, young girls who just want to be Instagram famous and they just got shoes and they want to just put them all, as you mentioned, in bathtubs and get likes and all. Like, what are the types of, of women you're seeing as you're talking to younger, younger, younger girls? All of them want to be a lady. Like, <laughs> I would say... 70 to 80% of them want to be a Laylee. They don't understand that they could design footwear or work on color and materials or, you know, work on engineering or compliance or any of these things and not be a Laylee, like not have to take that road or have that following or, you know, there's a really big lack of representation for people like me and like people, even like Gabby, right? Like people that aren't traditionally um, talent design partners or talent brand partners. You know, there's five or six people that work on every single shoe that comes out. Like four people worked on my shoe with Reebok. Like I didn't just go into my bedroom and like sketch up and, you know, bust it down with Reebok. It's like, no, many people touched that. Um, And so I would say 90% of the conversations I have with young women are like, what are you? What are your transferable skills? What what piece of sneaker culture are you really passionate about? Is it the design piece and the product piece? Because that's a really specific lane, you know. Like that, it, you got to have an industrial design degree, or you need to go to pencil or yellow brick, or you know, like there's mm-hmm. there's certain steps you need to take to do that. But if you want to be in marketing, like. You could be at the brand, you could be at an agency, you could be, like, there's so many different things you could do. You want to be in PR? Do you want to be in strategy? Like, I tell all young women, they come to me because they think I'm a sneaker designer, (laughs) and then I tell them I'm a strategist, and they're like, what is that? (laughs) You know, and there's just, like, a, a, a big lack of awareness in the community about how they can be contributors in this space. And so that's where the education part of my work came in is I do 
now speak at colleges, um, VCU and PMC. I've spoken at uh, CSU Long Beach. And I really talk about, you know, what does it look like in practice? Like, if you don't have to, it's not about moving to Portland or Boston. Like, there's so many more opportunities for you in sneaker culture that don't require you to do unboxings on YouTube or, like, you know, have to relocate and sell your soul. No, I, I love that. And I think, you know, as someone who works in the PR marketing social media field, I've been in calls and presentations when people have tried to speak to sneaker culture and it's very apparent the line in the sand of who knows how to speak to it and who doesn't. I mean, I think I was once called, was to, and you'll appreciate this, told that, you know, sneakerheads just love fashion and they've always been at the forefront of fashion and they are peacocks in their group of friends who are upset, who are really just nerds obsessed with an inanimate object. And I was like, I have never felt so seen and offended in my entire life. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> they're two birds, right? Like, because I'm, and that's the weirdest thing too. It's like, that's where the excitement is. It's, yeah. I've never had so many clients who don't have anything to do with sneaker culture in my inbox. Like, how do we get involved with sneaker culture? <laughs> because I know people who know sneaker culture. That's there. You go easy. Exactly, because they see the money that's happening there. Now everybody yep. wants to be attached to that, and I think that's where, I, you know, I see. I will say, like, a lot of young women are really angry about the the status of you know the climate right now that they're not able to buy that they're priced out the bots the resellers the offerings the, you know there there's a lot of anger around that but they don't understand that they could really be impactful in creating change like that all of these jobs that we're speaking about are like actually turnkeys to change that's the people that's writing that messaging right like the copywriter, the consumer insights person, the person running the studies and looking for the data. Like, there's so many pieces that um, we have to be in the pipeline, you know, to see the changes that we want to see. We can't just be mad on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. Even the tech people, you know, what are the capabilities that brands are doing? Like, and I love seeing some of the changes happening, uh, giving early access to women only and what that looks like. And I know. You know, anyone can be a woman from behind their cell phone. And I think that's like one of the problems with the culture. But, you know, seeing that some of this progress has been happening, um, what do you want to see next? Inclusive shopping. That's like my next big thing um, I want to tackle. So, you know, I just I, I think for a long time, the sneaker industry has looked at inclusive shopping as a petite woman's problem. And when I did my shoe with Reebok, I realized it wasn't just that, it was also an everybody problem because if I ran the club seat under the women's offering, my older son wasn't gonna be able to fit it. So how do I put product in the world that my kids cannot participate in? Like that, that opened up a, a, a kind of light bulb for me. My youngest son is 14. He hasn't worn GS sizing since the third grade. So who is GS really for? Um, and then I started looking um, at where we're shopping. So women in sneakers tend to shop men's first. Men are now shopping in the women's department. Like we're seeing that there, a lot of men are very interested in women's releases and some women apparel as well. Kids are shopping in men's. So we're not even shopping in our segments. So that's just culturally within the sneaker community. We look at the climate and kind of where Gen Z is going 64% of Gen Z knows somebody that identifies by a pronoun. Um, Gen Z is known, they're known as the truth seekers. They are known as uh, radically inclusive. Um, and are we speaking to this generation of consumer who not only has like $143 million of purchasing power or something, but it's 13 times that because the soft impact on their parents is also there on what they're buying. So, you know, we look at that, are, are, we are we set up to speak to this community? And it's not just Gen Z that we look at the trans community, we look at the LGBTQAI plus community, we look at, at the body positive community, we look at all of these pain points. And, and at the end of the day, I think you guys will agree, right? If it's men's, women's, or kids, if it's dope, it's dope, period. 
Like, it doesn't need, you yeah. don't need to walk in and see the Jordan 3 on the men's wall, the kids' wall, and the women's wall. Right. And silo these experiences. Yep. No, I totally agree with you. And, and Gerard and I talk about this all the time. It's challenging. Like, if a woman's release is in a neutral color, what makes it a woman's release versus a general release, especially when there's extended sizing? Like, why? I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all the championing for women and having more pairs that are specifically for women. But I, I agree. I think the way of inclusivity is definitely on the horizon. Um, and I think brands need to do a better job about identifying that it is okay to be genderless instead yeah. of it being for a woman or a men's release because i mean traditionally we go into a store and men had all the dope kicks but women were still wearing them so i think it was that same kind of language it was just much more underground yeah i mean that's where brands like easy do well right mm-hmm. like we look at the the sweatsuits the monochromatic mm-hmm. the it's, it's a very genderless presentation uh, and you get to choose what you want to do it and how what do with it and express yourself, you know, in your way. I think, you know, what's so hard, particularly for the traditional brands, is that the people in the C-suite making decisions, right, still have a mindset and grew up in a world of men's, women's, silos, that right, and all of those things. So their brains cannot comprehend what a gen... Like, what do you mean? It's like, you ever see someone like when they struggle with pronouns, when they have to refer to some of their, their pronouns. And I'm like, what's so hard about it? It's not that difficult. But for some people, it's like they can't get their mouth to do it. It, it gets so tongue-tied. And when you look at sneakers in the culture, it's so similar, right? They don't, when they come into a room and they're like, all right, cool. It's the same old thing. All right, what's the men's? And it's like, no, 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 no. Forget about what's the men's, what's the women's. This is a fucking phenomenal shoe. How do we get this into as on as many people's feet as possible, right? That is the question you're leading with, not... Okay, man, and, and I feel like that's part of the problem. Oh, my God, we could talk about this for literally hours on end because it's such a fascinating topic. But I want to talk about Gen Z because you, you mentioned them and how inclusive they are and and their purchasing power. And, you know, they are the future, right? Like, at one time when we were in our teens, we were, right? That, that was us, right? Well, a we're long the, time ago, well, yeah. Well, we're the now. Like, we're now, right? And they are they're coming behind us. Um, I'm so curious as Gabby and I had this conversation last week and we were talking about, you know, the traditional like Jordan brand, right? And Nike. And we are of the belief that Jordan brand and Nike aren't going anywhere, right? Because they're just, they're so entrenched in the culture and they're, they're so synonymous with the culture. But it ties into something, and I know you're familiar with this because you had a clubhouse conversation about it. Uh, Tinker Hatfield, of course, legendary Nike designer, worked on all the, uh, so many of the Jordan brand shoes, Air Max, etc. And Kanye West, whose Yeezy shoes, I mean, Ask me anybody who is in and doesn't have a pair of Yeezys, and I'm like, I don't. You can't find one. Everybody got at least one, right? So, well, actually, no. I was gonna say me, but they just sent me. <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs> Everyone's got at least one. Um, do in 30 to 40 years, is the relevance of Nike and Jordan brand going to be different vis-a-vis someone like Kanye West and Yeezy? I think Kanye's a shake. One of my clients and like good family friends, Shake JMJ, he always says like every time I get into this argument with him, he says Kanye's story is still being written, right? And I think that it's for me. I'm always ready to have the conversation of like, is that I understand like the Easy franchise is strong, but like, has he given us thirteen you know Easies and like multiple classic iterations of those thirteen? Like you know, um, and I don't. You know, Shake always says the story is still being written, Jazz. Like, give him time, give him time. I don't know what sneaker culture will look like in 30 years. We're seeing right now NFTs and sneaker culture. We're seeing Gucci dropping the first virtual sneaker that you could buy. We are seeing, I mean, like, Ag, um, Aglet, I think the app is, but gamification of buying virtual collections. We're seeing virtual fashion come into play. Like, I have no clue what this culture will look like in 30 years. I do think that hero franchises like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, uh, Kanye West, like they will remain strong. Uh, I don't know if it will translate in the same way that we see it through product, 
you know, and at the at the tier, the price point that we see product now, you know, Kanye always had a big vision to do a world uniform mm -hmm. and like be able to create accessibility and, you know, uh, wanting to have create the access. So if that big vision executes right over the next 30 years, Yeezys would almost be like Payless or they would be like Marshalls, you know, it would be the access um, would be for everyone mm -hmm. and, and it would be everywhere. And so I don't. Would there be a Yeezy as we know it in 30 years? What will footwear be like? I think we also have to think about sustainability and climate change with footwear being one of the most wasteful industries <laughs> in the world. Um, and materials, like mm -hmm. I heard Dan say at the United Nations that if we don't change things with the environment in 60 years, there will be no cotton. Oh. And so, wow. you know, thinking about that is like, yeah. Any, my son even dreamed to be a fashion designer. You know, is that even is that even a dream of a young kid today? If in reality, mm -hmm. sixty years from now there will be no cotton, like we have to be looking at upcycling, we have to be looking at other ways, uh, unique material choices, other ways, and stop with the fast fashion. But it's like, you know, those are the things that really I think are going to determine not only what sneaker culture looks like in thirty years, but fashion. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And it's, it's so it's so key, right? Like the reconstructed materials and what different like are you using recycled? Like what are the different ways in which you can use things that already exist that you're not continuously harvesting out of the ground? Right. Because the population is only getting bigger. Right. It's not it certainly isn't shrinking. And the resources that we have are what they are. Right? Like they're, they're not infinite. It just is what it is. And at some point there's going to be a, a, a reckoning point. And yeah, I mean that is that that is so fascinating. I, I did think I'm curious in in that Tinker Hatfield Kanye West discussion. I said to Gabby, odds are old heads like us were like Tinker, and young kids were like Kanye. Is, is what I guess the breakdown was. Was that true? Is that about what it was? It was, and that's again speaking to like the lack of understanding of what is a footwear designer. Also, mm -hmm. because. Mm -hmm. Kanye West had Stephen Smith, so yes. like, let's not even play. You know, mm -hmm. like, it's like the conversation really needs to be Tinker Hatfield or Stephen Smith, mm -hmm. like, because you know that that's what the reality is if you understand the business of sneakers. But the kids don't understand the business of sneakers. Mm -hmm. They see. I mean, I'll say in that conversation, they said Kanye was a sketch artist at best. <laughs> and, you know, and I like. It's like I personally think. Because this is this is like how it's kind of personalized for me, right? It's like I'm not a sneaker designer, right. I, and I can't make a CAD, but I'm leading. Like I, I have my own shoe that I led direction and design on mm -hmm. with a tech designer, mm -hmm. and I'm leading leading special projects for Palladium and leading a design team to do that. So it's like you know I don't call myself a designer right. for that reason because like I don't CAD. Right. Like I'm not going to ever take the respect of somebody that has that skill set and is able to do that. But I do think that he's more than a sketch artist. I think mm -hmm. that Kanye and, um, you know, I often see myself sitting in a direct piece place of like creative director, art director, uh, creative strategist. I think he's a visionary. You know, I definitely would say that. I think that he is an innovator. Um, and it's those ideas that he is concepting and innovating and sketching um, that somebody else is bringing to fruition in designing. Uh, Invisible producer Hugh, please drop in the Kanye rant with Sway. I am Walt Disney. I am, please drop that in right here because that is exactly what, what we're talking about. I am about. Shakespeare in the flesh, Walt Disney. And I'm not, a, you know, a lot of people know I'm not the biggest fan of like, you know, what he's done for the culture and to the culture, you know, what his, what the brand does. But you can't knock that man for for his, his genius, right? Yeah. And I do, I strongly believe that he is an innovator. He's a mover, right? We've seen what he was able to do with Gen Z and what he continues to do with Gen Alpha coming right behind them. Man, this is like, we, we're going to have to have her back again for like a three hour like deep dive on because this is like, I'm like, man, there's a million more things I want to say. But folks, we have to move on because you know what's coming next. America's favorite segment, Shoe and Tell, 
presented by Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for dope kicks. So stay tuned. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> What's up, y'all? We are back, and it is time for Shoe and Tell, presented by Another Lane, the premier digital marketplace for dope kicks. Now, you guys have been watching, so you know Jazz just jumped out and said, I love those guys. Uh -huh. I mean, because... Adina and Chad, you guys know, are the best. You know, we're out here talking. We're talking about sneaker culture and people who know it and what matters. Um, anybody knows the culture more than Chad? I mean, and Adina, good Lord. Like, again, you want some knowledge, go there, people. Anotherlane.com, check it out. If you have shoes you want to sell, you want to put your collection up. Now, you got to get verified first. They're not putting any John or Jane off the street. No, 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 no. We're, they're going to go through a process to see if you're a real one or not. And if you're not, well... Sorry, um, not, nothing we can do for you. But if you're looking for some shoes, you can find them and search and buy. It's, it's a marketplace and it's awesome. They got so many dope things happening over there. Make sure you guys check that out. Now, Jazz, this is your show. So you do the honors. Take it away. Um, okay, so some of my favorite, like more custom pieces. Um, these, they might be a little dusty, but these are... Like. The Alexander John um, Golden Barbie Reebok 5411. They're like hand painted. Um, they were yeah. made to match her like eye color and kind of her aesthetic that she has. Um, so I got these at an event maybe four years ago. I think there's 50 of these. They came wow. in like a big silver makeup case Ooh. in partnership with Holmes. Um, and she did like a, an event around these, but I've never worn these because like they are hand painted. And I'm just like, ah, oh, so like, I mean, they're not like, they're not like customs where they're painted. They've been treated and stuff, but I don't know. They're like art to me. And one of the few, very few pairs of like pinkish shoes that I own, but I think it's done really nice. Like, yes. it, it's, you know, it's really tasteful and that's, I love the rosy kind of iteration of that. Love it. Um, I love those. I was going to say, it's not the traditional pink that is the pink it and shrink it, so I, I like that too. <laughs> um, these are the Geiger misplaced checks. People always want to see these shoes. Mm -hmm. I I actually, they're so creased up. I, I wear them all the time. These are like one of my favorite pairs of shoes. I think it reminds me of a different time because when I was at Kicks on Fire, all these guys were starting out. Like, Geiger, Alexander John, Mache, JBF, like shoe surgeon, and we were constantly posting their work and posting their art, like the customs that they were working on. And so, you know, it was those publications that helped tell their story, like out into the world. And when these dropped, it was really important for John that uh, because his previous drops, he didn't do them in a six. And so he was like, ah, like I really want to make sure that you have them. So I have the ones. Nice. Ooh. on the back but they have a one yeah. so these are the first ones of the this um, red run that he did the misplaced checks have different um, suede used for the checks so there's like ostrich and they're different on both sides um, crocodile different textured suede I think elephant um, so beautiful pebbled leather he did a custom leather tongue tag. It I is like it. Embossed. It says just like well. Um, and then they had a little hanging trophy. Mm -hmm. which cool. I and, oh, there's 60. So then they have the inner tag. This one's number one of 60 made by the shoe surgeon. Amazing. Love it. Love so it. like one of my mm -hmm. favorite pairs of shoes, but I'm... At 40, like, these are a little loud for me now. So <laughs> I haven't worn them in, like, maybe a year, but I wear those shoes all the time. Um, this is some stuff I worked on recently. So these I worked on Amazing. with Mr. Harper. like them. Um, as part of their custom or creator collabs program, I believe. Jock was also in this campaign. So what they did was... Um, they brought together three artists on the West Coast with Jock and three artists on the East Coast with me. And um, the artists created a print and we were like the sneaker experts to help them lay their art onto a silhouette um, and help them with their colorways. So this one um, is by, this one's Haisu. Yes, I believe this one was Haisu. So she's an illustrator. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Perks with like Dr. Jart, um, Sephora, like a million. Mm -hmm. But she does a bunch of like little cute illustrations. And then these ones were with Jen Musari. Oh, I love those. I love these too. Jen Musari, um, she works with like Away. She does protest signs. She's known for like feminist art um, and her paint style. So I really, I loved working with both of these women. Like it was an amazing thing to work with women artists and being a more like, again, like that director, art director with them as they were creating. This is some stuff I worked on with Adidas. Um, So you know how they do like the um, cultivator drops, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like the drops where it's like one week with Nike by you or something like that. Okay, so years ago, Adidas used to do that for my Adidas. Um, And basically they would use influencers, which at that time were editors at the media publications. Mm -hmm. So they would use editors to create the colorways that were going to be on my Adidas before they launched a silhouette. So I worked with Flex on like when the superstar came to ID, this would be the colorway that you saw, like the sample colorway, Mm -hmm. and then you would click this and then design from there. So all of these were inspired by female heroine. These ones are Beatrix Kiddo. So they say Kiddo on the side. Those are cool. Love that. Um, so these are the Kill Bill. I wanted them to say Crazy 88, but licensing wouldn't hear it. <laughs> like, you know, the, uh, I really love just strong female heroines. So, you know, the bloody go-go scene was kind of where these came from. Love the details that. are amazing. Yeah. Even the red thread on the sole. Yeah, man. It's like every detail is that accountable. Is I love that. Thank you. Um, and so the second one I did with them was when the ZX Flux came Ooh. to... Um, the ID store, and these ones are Storm. Yep. So, from the X Men. Yep. So, these are her little gold buttons. People wanted me to do silver and white, but I'm not into silver, so I did the gold <laughs> buttons, like the bronze buttons on one of her uniforms. Um, and they were just like a really simple, clean silhouette. Like, it's two tone, um, and then they have Storm written on the back. So, I was like playing around with design back then, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something that I thought I was super like ever was going to be something because again like even working in media under the complex umbrella I didn't know how to become a footwear designer like nobody told Mm -hmm. me that in college nobody there was no booklet online or a pdf you know so like I just never I, I never went forward with it this is the last one this one was in they ended up doing an art ex- art exhibition on Wooster Street mm. with all of these designs. So this is um, when the photo application for the ZX Flux dropped, where you could take a picture of something and um, lay it all on your shoes. So this was actually my skateboard. Oh. Uh, my skateboard was oh. And then I, had, I shot my skateboard and then moved the print around on both of the shoes. That's so I had that. like eight drip. Um, and like bullets on them, calligraphy yeah. treatment. I love that, and that green color is amazing. That is awesome. I love mm. that. Thank you. And then the last one I did was Nike when they launched the Presto mm-hmm. into ID store. These ones are for Shira, the Princess of Power. Of course. Um, these are when I first came to New York, um, and I was calling myself Jazzy Hendrix. So they say Jazzy <laughs> Hendrix on love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> a younger version of me. <laughs> a wild right. version of me. All good. Is like one of my favorite Nike silhouettes mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. This is what I wore in high school. Like this was my jam. So it was really exciting to be able to um, work on that one for the ID store. And then the last piece. So I did not work on this one, but I worked on helping to launch this program which is the Adidas Seed School. Um, the Adidas Seed School is um, an education program. A seed is a program, and right now it's partnered with Adidas. And what they do is they create a program for specified groups. The first group was for women of color, the class of 2019, and the class of 2020 was specifically for black women. It's a two-year paid internship program which again is unheard of. You don't have to have any experience, but you just draw a sneaker and go through an application process. Um, And then you go through the two year program and you're placed in a job after that two year program. So I worked with Seed in 
kind of when they were putting their board together, putting their program together and telling the stories. I am the official seed storyteller with Adidas, so I tell all the stories that come out about the program. Um, and I helped them in finding some, some people to help them do their recruiting and their applications. I'm constantly referring young women there because, I'm, you know, it's such a disruptive program and a way, a, a disruptive way for the brands to recruit. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly think about young women from marginalized communities who are moms. They can't just go to college. Like, yeah. they need a paid opportunity. So this is the first seed shoe that has come um, and this was the shoe by um, Class of 2019. And you get like a photo oh, of I that. Like that. Oh, I love that. Worked on it. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Generation 2020. Um, Generation 2020, little information about them. And these are for sale, like at Adidas. And like they could go into the mall and buy their product. And, I like, love that. How amazing That's, is that? That is incredible. Know? I was say that's amazing, and I feel like Gerard is going to be emailing you afterwards of where he can buy it there because I feel like I can see Gerard rocking that. This is amazing. <laughs> Gabby, why you got to be in my head right now and be Where's putting my Gerard? business out? <laughs> no, man. Shouts to Adidas for doing something like that, and and Jazz. I mean, that the work that you're doing. I mean, it's it's incredible, uh, folks. That was Shoe and Tell presented by AnotherLane.com. Make sure you check it out. Jazz, this was incredible. We loved having you on. Tell the people where they can find you. Oh, um, on my agency website, if you want to do business, at truetosize.com. It's a footwear term. We tell stories, true to size, making sure the people behind the camera look like the people in front of the camera. Um, If you are looking for me on the social media webs, you can find me on Instagram at nerdlikejazzy, nerdlikejazzy, two Zs. On Twitter, Jazzy Ray, Ray like Raekwon, R-A-E. Um, and I'm not on TikTok, so you can't find me. You're not on TikTok, trust me. Gerard's trying to get us there. But. <laughs> Listen, all, all I'm saying is, is that, you know, we might be there, but then I would require us to actually do TikTok videos. I would which, say, Gerard, who was doing the work yes, on the TikTok? Yes, exactly. Right. So that's, that's, why, that's why I nixed it right there. <laughs> but <laughs> folks, as always, thank you for rocking with us. You know where to find us. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're part of the Count the Digs family on that bomb podcast feed. So make sure you check us out. We're on YouTube. We are at Kicks and Shit Show on all social media platforms. Not TikTok yet. (laughs) And we will see you guys next time. Peace.